today on It's Time. If you look at all of these, these all come back to one central problem, and it's the me generation. It's the I. I hear the calling. It's time. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 2 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. We're currently going through the book of 2 Timothy, and if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to turn with me there, and chapter 3 is where we'll start today, and again, uh, so important to know the Bible. That is the anvil in which many hammers have worn out. You know, a lot of people like to hammer on the Bible saying, well, it's a book, it's antique, it's from the Victorian age, and all these different things, but you know, you can live your life in accordance with God's word, you will be blessed. You can live your life in contrary to God's word, and you'll find your life struggle because we were not designed to work apart from God's word. And so that's why it's important that we know God's word. Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if we don't hear God's word, how will we know how to live then? So I just want to encourage you to follow along with us and again to understand the importance of the teaching of God's word. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, Father, I pray that everyone listening today will not be the same after we've heard your word because it changes us on the inside. And so, Lord, may your Holy Spirit reach out, touch every single person. Father, those who are in touch, uh, in need of a touch of healing, we lift up the people that we love, that you would reach out and by your benevolent hand, touch, heal, restore, and change us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we look at chapter 3, Paul the aged is writing to a young minister, probably somewhere around the age of 35 years old. And Paul is writing him to encourage him to continue to be about his father's business. Now, it's interesting as we look at this today, and you're going to find anywhere you find the end times mentioned, you're going to find something very similar. And that is this. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. What causes peril in your life? What causes peril in the world? The Bible says we're going to have perilous days, perilous time in the last days. Now, again, as we would look at this, it just means literally times of stress. What causes stress in your life? And again, I I think we need to be designed the reaction would be not to stress, but to give it to God. That's how we begin to mature in the Lord. You, me, we were never designed to be dump trucks, okay? We were designed to take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Peter said it best, casting all your cares upon him, he cares for you. So if you're carrying the weight of all the problems in your life on your shoulders, it will break you. That's why we need to learn as an automatic reaction to give it to God. If we don't do that, 
we'll find ourselves overwhelmed with so many different things. It causes so many. Somebody said one time, ulcers aren't what you eat, it's what's eating you. Overwhelmed. Give it to God. God will provide for us the peace that we need. And so resting in him, such an important part of relationship with God. Now here's the reason why we find uh, in these last days what I marks it so we know where we're at. Notice it says, men will be lovers of themselves. This is the me generation, friends. They have magazines, self me. It's all about you. And, and uh, this is one of the problems. People be lovers of themselves. Have you ever seen a generation that's more in love with themselves than the one we're in right now? You know, I look back at the, uh, at the uh, uh, Second World War, for instance, and the, and, the, and the people that fought in the Second World War, and those in the 50s, they were always community. They were always helping each other. But now we become polarized. It's all about me. And this is what, uh, unfortunately, we find even promoted in the advertising world, that it's all about you. Get out there because you're what matters. Well, again, we find that really you can serve yourself and be miserable. So... Serving God, that's what we want to be about. Lovers lovers of themselves. And he lists a whole bunch of them here. Lovers of money. Do you think we're in the money generation too? Wow, I don't think there's probably a time more pronounced of materialism than the time that we live in now. Boasters. This word in the Greek is a funny word. It means posers. It means boasting as if you have something, though you don't. So we have the fake Gucci and Rolex watches. We, 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 we try to drive a car to make everybody think we're of somewhat when we're really not. This is what it's talking about. You know, there's a glorious thing about whatever you are, be what you are. If you don't like what you are, you'll know where to go to get help. If you're heavenly with heaven, hellish with hellish, you don't know which one of you you like best. So it's a glorious thing being settled in who you are in Christ. And so again, we talked about boasters. It literally means false claimers. There's an image that is built that is not real. Now, this is one of the signs, again, friends, of the end of our age. And I believe we can see every one of these so pronounced more than any other time, probably in the history of man. The next is proud. And that's this uh, uh, part of us that that is exalted. And, And it's really unfortunate because Uh, We find even sometimes Bible teaching that will appeal to our flesh. And we always have to remember, false teachers always address and encourage the flesh. So we have to be careful of, well, I'm a king's kid. I deserve Erico and tinted glass, you know, kind of thing. You know, well, the thing is, the problem with that, we want to be careful because, again, when we realize what we are, we're sinners saved by grace. There's not a lot of room for pride. The next thing is blasphemers. Now, again, those are those that shake their hand in the fist of God, that attribute the great mighty works of God to happenstance or simply pure luck. Well, you can certainly look at uh, the teachers of evolution. 
When you look at the intricacies of how you're made, how this world works, all the things that go on, the exactness of our universe, the exact placement of the earth, the distance from the sun, the rotation, all these things, and to accredit that to random happenstance, I don't think there's a greater blasphemy that can happen. In other words, taking the mighty works of God, such as looking at you and how you're made and all the things that make you you and saying, pure luck. Lightning hit a swamp a couple of billion years ago. Bunch of squiggly things happen and whammo, here we all are. Well, you know, it's pretty dangerous stuff. I can't think of a greater thing and be blasphemous. You know, you walk up to somebody that has a nice restored car and say, Wow, it's amazing what just letting this thing set out in the desert can do. Why, it looks like the day it was made. Well, the person that restored that car would be insulted because he knows all the labor and all the effort that went into making it look new again. But to accredit that to just setting out in the wilderness someplace and all of a sudden, magically, it just gets better, well, that's essentially what An evolutionist is saying concerning the handiwork of God. That's why the Bible says only the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Why is that? Because a fool has to say, I see all the intricacies, the intricacies of all the things that I see and attribute it to pure luck. Well, that's foolishness. You don't get, uh, you don't get anything of order out of randomness. You know, after a hurricane hits a trailer park, you don't see a bunch of brand new cars all lined up. No, it's because randomness always produces randomness. But God, who designs us, always has his ultimate design in mind. And so blasphemy can come in many different ways. It can come shaking your fist in the face of God. It can be accrediting the things that God has made to nothingness or randomness. Then the other thing, we find even more of this. And this is what really begins to get rather unusual, disobedient to parents. Now, starting in about the 60s, we find this kind of becoming more popularized. And now we even have the court siding in with the children in doing these kinds of things. So disobedient to parents, remember, friends, is one of the signs of the end of the age. And I believe this is because we learn these things from, through many different inputs, such as television, cartoons. Uh, sometimes if you have kids, it pays you to maybe pop in and look and see what your kids are watching because it may be very, very contrary to you. And, and so looking at and being aware of what is influencing our children, thus will then lead to the disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Um, now, uh, again, as we look at this, uh, unthankful. If we're not thankful for what we have, we won't be thankful for what we get. When you're thankful, it forces us to take inventory of the blessings of God in our life. When we take inventory of the blessings of God in our life, how can I use these blessings to bless somebody else? That's what God wants. It's not something that happens on the last Thursday of November, Thanksgiving Day, but uh, uh, every day is Christmas when Thanksgiving's in your heart. I think that's such an important part of understanding how Thanksgiving happened. And it's also by action. 
Thanksgiving is, is not just saying, Lord, thank you for what you've given me, but it's by action in recognizing that. The next one here says unholy. Uh, it's almost cool in our society today to be unholy. It's, it's really weird. It, it's almost the more degradant you can get, the more cool you are. And so this is one of the problems. But remember this. See, again, what we find listed out here, anything that we go against the perfect plan of God for our lives will never lead to the desired outcome for us. In other words, I can rebel against God. I can be unthankful. I can be unholy. I can be rebellious. I can do all these things. But it's never going to satisfy our soul. You'll always be empty. And so he says in verse 3, unloving. Now, this word unloving in the Greek means no natural affection, like a parent would have for their child, or a, a child would have for their parent. Unloving. Unforgiving. That means holding grudges and, well, I deserve to be mad. Not realizing that every one of us, if you're a Christian, we've all been forgiven for so much slanderers and this is tearing down somebody if you can't go out and personally kill them well then i'm going to ruin them in the reputation and everything else this seems to be probably one of the greatest um, things that we find promoted through the internet slander runs rampant in our society today because of that you know the bible says um, if you have something against a brother you go to him privately you go to and talk to him you don't sit there and slaughter them behind their back. You know, that's one of the great problems the GIs had in Vietnam is, was the uh, snipers that would hide in the bushes as they would march up the trails, and they wouldn't even know who shot them because they were shooting out of the bushes. Well, unfortunately, slander's a lot like that. You don't even know who's shooting at you because it's so random and so prevalent. So we need to be very careful of that. And we want to talk about one another, brothers and sisters in the Lord, as those that are promoting the gospel of Christ and those that are being about their father's business of anything. We don't want to blaspheme them. We want to encourage and, and promote them because of what they do. And so it tells us, again, without self-control. I call this road rage, but everybody can, you can enter your own in here, but uh, without self-control. It's, it's, uh, there's no self-governance uh, uh, anymore. It's just whatever feels good to it. In fact, if you look at all of these, these all come back to one central problem, and it's the me generation. It's the I. And it seems that the more we live in our society, the more society appeals to that. I read one Bible commentary and it said, if there was ever a generation that fell into this more than ours, they didn't know what it was. Because even in the advertising world, it says, just do it. And the idea of just do it is don't worry about the consequences. Well, I'll tell you something. If you just do it, and depending on what it is, you may pay for that the rest of your life. You find, uh, uh, you know... No rules. Have you heard that advertising slogan? Sometimes it might flash it to some thought. Well, friends, there are rules. I, I'm so glad there are rules, at least by the uh, Food and Drug Administration and, and through the uh, health department concerning the way maybe some of these people run the restaurant. I would hope there's no rules when they're back there in the kitchen. So look at some of the slogans that are being promoted today on television. You know, I, I think of one 
concerning our relationship with Christ. Jesus said, come to me, you'll never thirst again. And then I hear a commercial on TV that says, stay thirsty, my friend. Well, it's just the opposite. When you come to Christ, God satisfies those things that we need in our life. And so he says, without self-control, brutal. Now this is talking about violent and violence that we see. And, and again, we can't understand why we're reaping the harvest in our schools and in Las Vegas with a shooter coming out. All these different things. But we have a society that is fed upon violence. And the problem is, when you teach this, this is what you reap. That's why the Bible tells us to be very careful what we promote as far as a society goes, as far as our families go, because you're going to reap those very things. And so he talks about being brutal. Now he also goes on and he says, despisers of good. What a, you you would think it'd be just the opposite, but it isn't. It seems like the more bad you are, the more popular you are, and and the more accepted you are. He also says traitors. That means no loyalty. No loyalty in the workplace. No loyalty in the home. No loyalty amongst friends. Uh, This is a tragic thing, and especially within the church. Many people were very scared about the Apostle Paul when he had been born again, when God spoke to him on the road to Damascus and laid him out. And and, uh, Jesus spoke to him and he said, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. When Paul was brought to Damascus, everybody was scared to death of this guy because they didn't know if he was going undercover to seek out the Christian groups that were scattered out through Asia Minor and throughout the Roman Empire so then he could turn them over and continue to persecute them because this was what Paul's thing was before he became born again. They thought he was a traitor. Well, come to find out, he wasn't a traitor at all, but some of the people we don't think are traitors become one, such as Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot's an amazing person. We have communion here today. And um, Jesus in the upper room that night, uh, we remember Jesus said, the one who betrays me is here. And the Bible says the disciples begin to look at one another going, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? I always thought that was amazing. They didn't look at each other and go, mm-hmm, Judas. You know, we knew there was something flaky about this guy all along. And by golly, no. They just began to say, Lord, is it I? Is it I? They not only, I think, had self-examination, but I could just see them in the room going, is it you? You know, I think they were all kind of checking each other out. Who's the bad guy? Who's the traitor here? And when Jesus told Judas, what you do, do quickly, Judas excused himself, got up, and went to the Sanhedrin where he, for 30 pieces of silver, would tell the Sanhedrin where Jesus would be later on that evening. In other words, turning Jesus' day planner over to the Sanhedrin so he could be arrested and be crucified. You see, the, the, um, the Judases are around. They're not always easily spotted. And so when we find this, we find this is something that concerned the Apostle Paul as well when he's writing here, no loyalty. Now, headstrong, the next one. Now, this really is is interesting because 
It speaks of being puffed up, and I'm puffed up over you. There's one thing, you can be proud and think you're good, but then the headstrongness is where you're above somebody else and you're unteachable. These are always a dangerous things when we get into these. It says lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, you think about this. That's what our whole society is about, isn't it? Uh, pleasure is what, what, what we live for. Uh, we live for the weekend, Friday night and Saturday night. You think how many rock and roll songs in the 60s and the 70s were written about Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday, okay, you know. But you think about my album is going on sale. It'll be out there in the foyer. But no, you think about because we live for pleasure. And the weekend represents pleasure. Uh, um, and, and, and we were seduced through the songs on the radio. Now, I think back of the songs because, you know, when you really start listening to Christian music, and there's a lot of really uh, good, you know, the effect is it's got some really good uh, Christian headbanging stuff. If you like that, I like it. Um, never too old for that. But I think back of the words I learned in some of the songs in the words, mamas and the papas. Remember those guys? Well, we won't talk about how, how mama cast died. But, but the thing is, is that, is that we, we remember lots of time with nothing to do. Lots of time to spend with you on Sunday morning. Really, I thought you probably should go to church on Sunday morning. But we were being programmed not to do anything on Sunday morning. We think about all the different things that we were told and understanding that it was all gearing us up to live for pleasure. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.